The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. I don't know how many of you have your Magnificat on you, right? Or your hand, your hand missile, your pew missile. No, you don't have it? So unprepared. Okay, great. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Woe, bet- woe betide you, you know? <laughs> you don't have your Magnificat on you. You've seen that there's a, there are options. You know, there's a temptation of mine to, to read um, the, uh, the prelude to the, to the baptism in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, with all these, uh, you'll see the names you know the names, and the, like when you have a name like Arfaxad, I was like, that's a great temptation, you know, to to read that, to read that passage, just so I could say Arfaxad. I don't even know how to say it. So anyway, it's a different list of names than the one in in Matthew. But we can draw genealogy, you know, in, in any number of, of different ways. And uh, really, we're tr- trying to get to the baptism uh, here. Uh, this um, the, the set of readings that we have the weekdays before Epiphany. Uh, given January 6th, which we know is, of course, the traditional date of, of Epiphany. So if the baptism seems like an Epiphany theme, it's because it is. It's, it's revelation. You know, it's an, it's an unveiling. And, uh, and I think we're, of course, right to, to celebrate it here at the end of Christmas tide, right before Epiphany, an Epiphany tide. So, yeah, what is going on? What is going on? Not, not what's going on with me. Okay, that's a big enough question. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are you putting us through this? No, what is, go- what is going on uh, in this passage? I, there are really just a, a couple of points that I, want to, that I want to offer. We have John the Baptist, Jesus, Jesus being baptized, and so on and so forth. Um, surprised, I was surprised to some extent, to, except that you know, I, I see the reflection with some frequency. Bishop Barron kind of leaning on the scandal of the baptism, Today, for me, I think it's not really, okay, I get it. We bring certain questions to this scene that we want the scriptures to answer. So, the, so we look at this scene, we say, okay, baptism, John's, John the Baptist, baptism, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then you look at Jesus coming on the scene, you go, oh, what's going on there? Right? Because we know that he has no need of repentance. His, he, he is God in the flesh. His perfect, the perfect expression of God's own life of love, of course, is Jesus, his son, right? We get that in the scene as well. So we look at it and go, well, that's somewhat scandalous, isn't it? Because Jesus is being baptized in this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I just don't think it's what the scriptures are attempting to convey. So I, I get it. We're scandalized by almost anything. <laughs> so, you know, woe is us. Every little stone is going to trip us up. You know, that's what it... That's what scandal, scandalize, or be, to be scandalized means. It means that there's a little something, that's, a stone that's going to trip you up, the, uh, the scandal on, as it were. This is not what, this is, the passage is not attempting to, to communicate that, right? This is, Jesus' baptism 
is his anointing by God yeah, as the Messiah. So he's king of the Jews. So all, all this comes about, right? Jesus, at the, at the head of God's renewal movement, the anointed king now, right? He, he's, yeah, he's being baptized by John. What is happening? A recapitulation. Yeah, I don't, I I'm too sick to like walk through the etymology of all this stuff, you know, but the recapitulation, what is he doing? Is taking the story of Israel to himself. And if we don't see that here, right, making his way through the waters of the Jordan as a, um, a reenactment of, of the Israel's journey through the Red Sea, like if we don't, we don't see that, then we'll see shortly uh, Jesus going out into the desert for 40 days to again appropriate the story of, of Israel who spent 40 years in the wilderness. And so th this is the, this, these are the stories, this is the narrative that, it, that is unfolding in front of us. We don't want to pick up, we want to let the scripture speak to us. This is, this is the great um, aim of scripture study, is to allow the scriptures to speak to us. Uh, rather than for us to go and interrogate the scriptures on, a, on, on every point that we have, right, every question that we have, we want the scriptures to speak to us. Because, because the story is being told, really not for nothing, the story is being told so we get the story of God unfolding in front of us in such manner that we're able to participate in the unfolding story of God. We're going to find our place in God's plan. Allow, allow the scripture to speak to us. Okay, so Jesus, that's what I'm saying. Okay, the, is Jesus the, the anointing, right? The, okay, the baptism with John, the recapitulation. He's, he is, and this is why it's a Christmas. Again, the, my theme, the wildness of Christmas is why this is a wildness of Christmas theme. Right? Because Jesus is, he's taking on the this, this story of Israel. He's, he is, he's going to do it from within, this is so foreign to the way that we think about God, isn't it? In a sense, like, we, do we think of God working it out from within? Or do we think of God as the power, the power from outside that can affect what we want him to affect? Right? So it's, and this is the creator God is the God who lives in his creation, and is, and is affecting the, as the solution. He's, af he's affecting the reality within, from within. And that, that scene, that manger scene, is that kind of thing. He's going to do it from within. We go, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we're comfortable with that. It's more like, yeah, why, why don't you do it from without? Do you know why do you do it from the outside? You le leave us in this space. We'll do our thing. And we'll ask you for the thing that, that we want you to do when we, when we want you to do it. It's, but that, that's a much more comfortable image of God, which is probably why culturally we gravitate towards that. No, God wants to be intimately involved in his creation. This is, and this is an act of delight for him. I understand you see the manger and we think about the cross already, do you know? But this is, this is he, he's delighting in his creation. He's come to be with us. He's come to work it out from within. He could do it, yeah. Could he do it from outside? I guess he could. Except that God's power is self-giving love, which only ever really works from within, right? Isn't that the case? It's like, how many people have you lectured into conversion? <laughs> you know, like, 
I want this person to change. I'm going to just lecture you every day until you change. You know because you nag people, right? It's like, you, that's not the way it works. Why? Because that's from outside. But how many people's burdens have you borne that have then produced fruit, right? It's been fruitful because the person has experienced the relief of the, of the burden borne and been able to make the decisions that they were, they were always wanted to make but never had the strength to. This is what God is doing for us. He's not lecturing us from outside. What are you doing? What are you foolish, you know, crazy people? What are you? No, he's, he's come to take on the burden and even the burden of flesh, even the burden of the flesh. And it's, it's kind of um, propensity to go sideways, you know, like worship something other than the true and living God. No, he, he's, taken it, he's taken it on. He's, he's made that, that perfect um, rich, sincere, deep offering of himself to the Father so that we can get ourselves caught up into that offering. We can make those acts of worship um, uh, uh, along with him. Okay, so anyway, how many homilies am I going to get in today, do you think? I'm going to blame it on the medication. Yeah, so it's okay. We're doing that, we're doing that thing. Okay, so what I want to see, just, just um, a, little bit, a little bit more coloring, more than anything else, is to say here, on coming up out of the water, so Jesus, right, recapitulating the story of Israel. He's taking it all on his back. He's going to advance the purposes of God. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Okay? The heavens being torn open. What, is, what does it mean? We live in a world, in God's creation, that is heaven and earth. And we're all too... Um, say, desensitized to heaven. So heaven, heaven is where God is. Heaven is the place of God. And we have access to heaven everywhere. And God is at work everywhere. But we, of course, are you know, physically, sensor, sensorily, we're trained on you know, what we can touch and taste and see and, right? and manipulate probably is more significant for us. But here, yeah, the heavens being torn open is to see the reality of things. Is to see the intersection of heaven and earth. To see where God intends to breathe his life. How, and how God is, is intending to advance his purposes. He's seeing, the, so what is, what is he seeing, the heavens being torn open? I would offer for us, if we were to see the heavens being torn open, what we would see is, in front of us, the opportunities that we have to bring God's love to life. We would, see, we would see how we are to apply ourselves in the power of God's own life of love, the power of heaven, how we are to apply ourselves to the world, how we are going to be at work in the world. And we, to see, we see God there, and we see the invitation to be there with him, and do the God thing in that space, okay? We don't have the power to do that. I'm sorry if this is staccato. It's just the nature of the illness, you know? It's, it, we don't have the power to do that unless we hear the words of the Father. Have to hear the words of the Father. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. If you want to talk about scandal... The fact that God says those words to, to us, baptized Christians, people who have life in Christ, 
The people who he looks at us, he sees Jesus, right? This is, this is scandalous. I say that for my own life. God's saying, You're my, you are my beloved son. Okay. I'm not comfortable with that, right? Because I haven't done anything to deserve it. And I live in a society where you have to earn everything you're given, right? This, and I'm not, I, fine, whatever it is, I don't care. You are my beloved son. Okay, another translation. You are my dear, dear child. Now listen also. With you, I am well pleased. Okay? We have to hear the voice of God in our hearts in order to see the opportunities that are around us with the heavens being torn open in the places of application. We're able to go and, and give ourselves away in his service. Right? This, is, this is the Christian life. This is a Christian life. So I have to hear those words. I have to let, have, have them go deep so that we can follow Jesus in faith wherever it is he's sending us and bring the light and love of God wherever it is we go. You are my dear, dear child. I delight in you. You're my dear, dear child. With you, I am well pleased.